This is The Culture. What's going on, guys? We are back for another episode of the Cinema Wave podcast. Today, we are going to be talking about David Fincher's highly anticipated film, The Killer, starring Michael Fassbender. I am one of your hosts today. I'm Zach Miller, and I'm joined by... Lizzie. Ba, ba, ba. <laughs> it's me, everybody. <laughs> Holy shit, Liz is sitting across from me. This is a big moment for me. Um, yeah, so uh, thank you for talking about this, Liz. You know, I'm just really privileged that you got to come to the city and uh, me too. <laughs> we got to go. We got to, we go. Had to go. We had a very eventful time getting out of the city, but that oh yeah, that we will talk about later. Yes, after if you, anyone we... wants to finish the video all the way just for that, yes, yeah. we'll give you a little <laughs> bit of a. Cl- <laughs> just you should wait, wait till the end of the episode and hear about our story. But um, yeah, so Zach and I, we got to go to New York Film Festival. Um, it was my first time actually going to New York Film Festival, so I was super excited, um, and we got to see the. Uh, North America premiere of The Killer. Um, Zach, is this your first time at New York Film Festival? Yeah, this was my first time as well. New York Film Festival has a lot of venues in the city, like all around, which I didn't know um, because it was was my first time too. But And then with the SAG strike going on as well, there couldn't be a huge presence, but a lot of people still knew that and they went anyways. And there was a bunch of films at Lincoln Center um, and this film was at the Paris Theater. Um, It's about Midtown, like 58th, 59th. Mm -hmm. And apparently, um, according to our friend Brian, that theater is owned by Netflix. So they get to screen projects there. Um, It was a cool little theater. Yeah, I liked it. It I did too. It was good. They gave us, you know, popcorn. (sighs) They gave us drinks. They gave us Q magazines. (laughs) I was like all up to date on the new stuff coming out. Um, So that was really cool. There, we were hoping that Fincher would be there, but he was always. not. We're, I mean, you're always yeah. holding out, I feel like, mm-hmm. uh, at like a premiere that they just secretly sneak in there and are like, oh, hey, everybody. Especially because I feel like New York mm-hmm. Film Festival, they had a lot of uh, Q&As happening and a lot of well-known actors um, and directors kind of also going in being an audience member at other films being shown. So I kind of was expecting at least somebody representing the film. Um, but maybe they had something else going on. So they weren't there. Yeah. Yeah. I was definitely expecting if, if it wasn't him, I don't know if he's just a guy that doesn't like to go in person and do Q and A's. Maybe Ooh, that's maybe. the case. So, because I was thinking about it, there were so many directors like Bradley Cooper, didn't do anything promotional, but he attended the festival for Maestro. Sofia Coppola was there for mm-hmm. Priscilla. Jo- Jonathan Glazer was there for Zone of Interest. I mean, that, those are just to name a few, but there were so many people that ended up going to that festival. So maybe he is just not a Q&A guy, but maybe. it didn't really defeat the purpose for a lot of people because it was a packed house. It was really cool because since it was such an exclusive premiere, they were like no phones and there were literally ushers with night vision. They had night vision goggles <laughs> that they in the middle of the film were walking around just like looking yeah. through these, making sure that nobody was recording, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, even though this is coming to Netflix November 10th. So I guess they really just don't want any spoilers going out there, um, which for anyone that's listening, we will not be spoiling anything for this film since it has not come out yet. So 
you can watch throughout the whole episode. We're not going to give yes. anything away for this um, film. Because mm-hmm. why? Why? Why spoil? We wouldn't it for do that all? to you guys too early. <laughs> no, <laughs> but yeah. So, um, just getting right into it. This Let's is, do it. Let's start talking yeah. about it. David Fincher has made in a great body of work. I mean, his films include Seven, Fight Club, Zodiac, The Social Network. These are just to name a few. And this is his twelfth film that he's done. And he just came off of Mank he did with Netflix in mm-hmm. 2020. And that was the black and white period piece about the screenwriter who did Citizen Kane. Yeah. So that was way outside of his usual genre, but that was like something very personal to him that he was developing over the years. So it was nice to see him come back to the crime thriller that he's very famous for. Yeah. And what he's honestly really good at with his niche. And um, I, I was really happy that he got back to this and then also Michael Fassbender. Mm -hmm. He was really good. And um, just seeing him in anything, like if he was in any movie, I would would go to see it. You'd go and see it. He's Mm -hmm. like that actor for you that's like, I don't care what's happening, like gonna go, gonna go check it out. Yeah, yeah, like he's, he's kind of like, Denzel or like Christian Bale. Ooh, okay. Like he hasn't had probably the same tier of movies Mm -hmm. as them, but I think he always gives 100%. Yeah. I feel like he's kind of that actor that people are like, oh, yeah, yeah, him. Like, Mm -hmm. I I recognize him, but they don't always know his name. um, Yeah. Because he's very cat. He's not, he doesn't put himself out there, I feel like, at all. No, I I don't think he does either. And and I was trying to explain to people, like, who is in the movie. And I was like, oh, yeah, the guy who played Magneto in the old X-Men movies, (laughs) or like 10 years years ago but and they were like oh like, that guy yeah okay. i was trying to think of the most pop culture thing <laughs> and then oh, instead of being like oh yeah he was in macbeth mm-hmm. and, you know. <laughs> but um yeah he was he was great in the movie he plays this very stoic very composed contract killer yes and this information we're only giving because it's in the trailer yeah so that, like, <laughs> you know the premise if you've read yeah. anything about um mm-hmm. this film at all um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting, it's definitely a suspenseful thriller, mm-hmm. I would say. Uh, it has a very intense opening. How long would you say that opening sequence is? Like, Oof, probably like 20 minutes. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Maybe, maybe 15. Yeah. But I'd say between like 15, 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very intense and throws you right into his world. Mm-hmm. They don't give a lot of uh, backstory necessarily. They just kind of throw you in yeah. um, right away, which I like because sometimes with thrillers, if they try to like if they if you dip your toes in the beginning and you're just kind of like getting used to it, used to the storyline, sometimes you lose the audience right away. Yeah. Yeah. I was also going to ask you, too, how many of Fincher's movies have you seen? Or what are you maybe missing, too? Ooh. Like, if you, whichever way you want to okay. phrase it. Um, how many have I seen? Oh, uh, okay. So I have not seen Mank because I heard okay. it wasn't, wasn't that popular, let's no. just say. And so I did not, I did not watch it. Um. That's fair. I mean, it's a longer yeah, movie. It's, I heard that people just yeah. weren't as excited about it. And so I was like, I have other things to watch. Yeah. Uh, and then I guess I'll do what I haven't seen. I haven't seen Zodiac, okay. which that I, pro- I I know I need to watch that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think you would love Zodiac. I do too. Yeah. I feel like that's the only other like mainstream seen... one that I haven't seen. Oh, definitely the main. Okay, definitely. So like this main, isn't like... a main. Yeah, this isn't a mainstream. But have you seen the game with Michael uh, Douglas? The game. It's another is that an older one, or is it like? Yeah, more? it's a nineties. I think it's like nine. Maybe seven. I might have. Okay. Maybe not though. Sean Penn's in it. It's a the couple. Game. What is it about? Give me some premise. So he uh, he is basically kidnapped, and he's trying to figure out who is doing this to him, and he's being like booby trapped, almost getting <gasps> no, killed. No, I have seen it. You have? Yes, okay. yes, yeah. like a while ago though. Yeah. So I probably should rewatch. But yes, mm. I have seen it. I I the only one that I haven't seen now I think is uh, Panic Room. Panic which Room you said is was great. Good. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, it's really good. A and, young Kristen Stewart. Yeah. Um, it's one of it. It's kind of just his mo film, like a very mm-hmm. high intense thriller. Um, that keeps you on the edge of your seat the whole time. Yeah, I also think he has to your point with like Kristen Stewart and then Jodie Foster's in that movie. Mm-hmm. He has a great diverse um, range of actors that are in his movies. Um, you know, you even have Jesse Eisenberg in Social Network. You have Andrew Garfield in that movie. He was mm-hmm. just beginning to make his climb. Um, I mean, and then in this movie, you have Fastbender. Brad Pitt is his guy in the other two, Seven and Fight Club. Edward Norton's in Fight Club. There's a lot of actors that he has really utilized to their abilities. Mm-hmm. And then also really understands how to build his story um through editing through the performances and then setting up a lot of this like gritty world at least in most of his movies he sets up crime and the world around the crime in a very dreary underlit like dark um atmosphere so yeah it's, it's while really cool. also though keeping his audience uh entertained and involved because yeah. i feel like sometimes when you enter those worlds of crime mystery um and suspense sometimes it can get a little dull when doing uh, when you're trying to make the um facts like true to life sometimes it's like okay i get it like this is a crime scene okay let's keep going with it but i think he does a really nice job of keeping his audience engaged in the material oh yeah um i want to know though zach what would you say is your favorite Oh, that's like the hardest question <laughs> for me. Like DJ said, I was a Nolan stand. I, I am a Fincher stand. Okay. Before okay. like two top two. How about okay. that? I feel like it's a little bit easier. <sighs> Man, I would. <sighs> it's so close for me, but I think Fight Club, and not in the sense of how people worship that movie nowadays. Like I don't. I don't. Obviously, the material behind mm-hmm. that. Is is not to. Be I know we've talked put about on a pedestal. We've talked yeah. about it that there's some people yeah. that are like mm-hmm. Fight Club stands. Yeah, but then yeah. there's also some people that are like, of course, Fight Club is your favorite film. Yeah. Like how typical. And it's like, yeah, well, it is yeah, a good it's movie. Not, it's a good movie. It's a great movie, and that was that movie blew my doors off mm-hmm. when the plot twist comes, and then also just the amount. Like I was watching that for the first time, I was like, how many scenes are in this movie how many shots are in this movie like how how thorough do you have to be as a director to cover something that meticulous like Mm -hmm. that was just next level and then it ushered in a lot of that grungy um crime along with seven too like yeah it did that 90s grungy era super well and then it didn't overdo it um with just like 
like that that movie is co- like a commentary on commercialization mm-hmm. and like don't get stuck in your job and then they take it to the extreme like chaos perspective yeah so um i mean and then you're like this is just snowballing out of control and then the plot just happens so yeah i i think that but then then i also think about a movie like social network totally different movie like Mm -hmm. that movie on paper should not be as entertaining as it is yes i agree but it's so good and it's so enthralling because i mean you have aaron sorkin behind the keyboard Mm -hmm. and then you have great performances and then i also think that the only reason like if if david fincher did not do that movie a lot of other people could have butchered it yeah like that so i was going to ask you do you think it's was so successful because of the performances or because of his direction obviously i think i think i think both of them go hand in hand too yeah i I think that he gave that movie a pulse with his creative style Mm. you know like i think if like adam mckay or like what's another another like biopic director i i can't really think about it but if if someone just took it as like oh this happened or like even so like dumb money for example okay doesn't have the same pulse as Mm -hmm. social network but yet it's about social media and the problems like that is one specific story of it and wall street but um social network is really about this guy's obsession with with what is he willing to do Mm -hmm. to get what he wants yeah and then he pushes everyone out the, the drama behind the um the burning of his relationships is what keeps us so engaged and then yeah yeah because like to what you're saying with adam mckay i feel like comes at things with a little bit more of a comedic or even like satirical yeah. point of view while i feel like um fincher he he's he really rarely does he doesn't lean toward comedy. I feel like he mm-hmm. just says things straight as they are. And if the audience happens to find that comedic, then great. But if they don't, he's not worried about it. He's not trying to make the audience laugh. He's more trying to make them think and yeah. then also make them feel like they just experienced something through his yeah. films. Yeah. And even with Zodiac, like you haven't seen Zodiac, but it follows for a lot of the movie, um, Robert Graysmith, who's a journalist studying the Zodiac killings in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the movie focuses on his obsession with trying to find um, the problems. And and he's really trying to solve the case himself. Like yeah. he is so invested that he's ignoring his, his girlfriend around him. He's ignoring a lot of his job responsibilities. Like he is so, I have to solve this. Like mm-hmm. I know I can solve this. And suddenly that becomes equally as interesting as the killings. And it's it's like documenting documenting the killings and the murders as well as um, feeding into like, you know, this might not ever get solved. You have to give up like Mm, you have to give up this obsession. So it's it's interesting what he can incorporate into real historical pieces like that. So and then you have the killer, which going off of what we were just saying i felt like this was a straightforward movie like, i agree let me know what you think about that no i i definitely agree i think um when we left we were talking about it briefly but i think this was a very simple plot mm-hmm. um again we're not going to talk about plot points but overall going into it just from what i had seen from the trailer um i also like try not to watch trailers fully through because i don't want anything to be spoiled so i had only watched half of it but going into this film i walked out with the film that I expected to see 
it was very well done. I feel editing, even sound, it was really well done. Yeah. Um, but nothing major surprising. Like I wasn't completely shocked. I had gone in with high, high expectations, knowing that uh, he was coming back to kind of his sweet spot. And so I was looking forward to seeing something that he knows how to do and does it well. Um, I wouldn't say I was blown away, but I was definitely entertained and I would recommend this film to a lot of people. I think it's going to do, I think a lot of people are just going to enjoy it because mm -hmm. there was never a dull moment, um, which is something to say because the opening scene, like I had just said before, was very suspenseful and yeah. threw you in right away. And I think that's hard for suspense films to keep the audience feeling that pressure throughout. Mm -hmm. um, it's hard to sustain suspense. And I think he did it really nicely in this film. Yeah, I think he really hinged on the tension and the anticipation mm -hmm. that is coming for this killer's uh, jobs. Yeah. Like, and, and, you know, what what if this happens, what will follow after this? You know, mm -hmm. like because he goes through this process of of like he you can tell he has a history of doing these acts like you, you can tell that there are situations where he's a vet to these experiences. Yep. So um, if this happens, like what, like without giving away too much information, but it's if, hard, so, if it's this hard. happened, how is he going to react to this situation? Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and again, this isn't a spoiler, but uh, he does a really nice job of making you feel like he's kind of going out of control, this character a little bit. But then you're also questioning, is he going out of control or is it just his job as a contract killer that yeah. makes us feel like he's going out of control? But really, maybe he's just very good mm. at his job. Yeah. Oh, and then um, th another big thing that tells us about the psychosis of him and his whether he's hinged or unhinged mm -hmm. is the narration throughout the film. I loved it. Which we were completely caught off guard yeah. with because it has... Uh, it goes back to a little bit of Fight Club with mm -hmm. this dark humor style and approach. And you're just like, whoa, like that because you're so fixated on the serious nature of the scenes laid out. Mm -hmm. Then you're like, wait a minute. He just said something hilarious. I know, like, <laughs> then, but very dry. Yeah. Like, all of all of his delivery was almost the same tone throughout. It gave yeah. me very much um, American Psycho vibes yeah. a little bit. Uh, but it was, it was really nice because I think that also opened up the audience to a whole other side of like a killer's point of view is yeah. that throughout the whole film, you're also seeing why he's doing, you're hearing why he's doing these things mm -hmm. and hearing he, his thoughts as he's going through these events. Um, so it's really nice because rather than just us having to speculate like, oh, why is he doing that? We're in his head. And it's not all of his commentary isn't straightforward. It's very nuanced mm -hmm. and is done almost just by making like kind of random comments about things. Yeah. That can yeah. either some of them are very funny. I mm -hmm. actually think this is one of his funnier mm -hmm. scripts. Yeah, in um, a weird way. In a yeah. very weird mm -hmm. way. Like almost yeah. a dark humor, uh, very bland, straightforward commentary. It, I liked it. I thought it was very well done. Yeah. And and the, like when he would make a lot of these statements, it showed another that other side to him that he is an observer. Mm -hmm. Like and that is the biggest part of 
this contract killer is he has to observe people and observe situations. <clears throat> yeah. So he, he, but then he inserts those quips of like, you know, oh, this guy. Yeah. I know. Or like, oh, look at that. Like, I didn't expect that to happen. I didn't either. Or yeah. like, he makes comments on just society today. Like, mm-hmm. he, this isn't even, yeah. this won't ruin anything, but he'll make comments about like Postmates. Yeah, or like yeah. Amazon Prime, like being able to order something the next day. Yeah. And it just is really funny because I think these uh, like killer movies, they never enter the mm. real world in a way. It's always this yeah, darker. Like overdone psychopath. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Who lives in the darkness and like doesn't yeah. come out. And this he uh, Fitcher did a really nice job of bringing like a killer into the real world Mm -hmm. and making him a real person and not just this entity that is in a film. Yeah, he made it like a literal profession where Mm -hmm. he's like, I'm going to work today. (laughs) These things happen at work today. I didn't really love that. Didn't love my day at work, but got to go back tomorrow. I noticed this thing. Yeah, the bullet didn't hit the right way. (laughs) (laughs) So he makes like jokes and satire based off of like, like that is just such an interesting juxtaposition for me. Like yeah. I'd have to really sit down and wonder how many films have done the same thing without being a comedy movie. Mm-hmm. Like this is a thriller crime drama, like with co- comedic elements. Yes. It's kind of like how s- similar to Social Network 2, it is a drama first and then they have these funny moments where you're like, oh man, he said mm-hmm. that about this person? And then that was like a f- those funny moments but yeah. it's not a comedy no yeah. like i think uh like it for example if fincher was there in the audience and somebody missed a joke and they didn't laugh i don't think he was going to be brokenhearted about no. that i think he'll be like okay no they're into the story and they're they're not getting the humor of it but that's okay because he's not trying to tell a humorous story um yeah. Yeah, so I appreciated it. And then one thing we had also mentioned is that there was so much voiceover happening that there were moments Mm -hmm. that like I'm I'm going to rewatch this film, which I don't always say about typical killer suspense thrillers, because once I see it, it's like, okay, I know what happened. Like the curtain was revealed, so I don't really want to rewatch it. Mm -hmm. But I would rewatch this film specifically to re-listen to what he's saying, because there were some times that I was so enthralled with what visually was happening that I forgot to really take in what his he verbally was saying. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a great point Mm -hmm. because you're also just... Yeah, like how you would just see this crazy thing just happened and then he would say something, but you're still in your head processing what the violence. Yes. Yeah, and mm-hmm. then you're like, wait a minute, he just made a joke about that. And, yeah. then, and then like there there were several moments like, like you too. I'm going to go back and then I was even thinking like, maybe I'll read the script at some point. That would be good. And then be like, oh, wow, that was really like, funny. It's funny, it's funny. <laughs> so, but he's he's such a good master at meticulously planning his characters his Mm -hmm. worlds um so but also to go hand in hand with that he's also very notorious for doing multiple takes and by multiple takes i mean like sometimes 80 takes yeah that's crazy or 200 takes crazy yeah like for amanda seyfried seyfried i think i'm saying (laughs) (laughs) she did what was rumored to be 200 plus takes in mank for it, i would go crazy if i that honestly can't imagine that yeah like i i mean i i understand 
that some people really want to get coverage of every possible take. Mm -hmm. But I think at a certain point, you're just getting like it's it's going to be regurgitated yeah. moments. And yeah. then also, I feel like actors then aren't giving their best work because they just want to get done. Yeah. I mean, if that's what you're wanting from the character, though, the attitude of just wanting to leave and be done with something, then great. That works. But it can't that can't be it for every scene and every actor. Yeah. I, I And then there was when I was doing a little more research on that, I found a quote that he said mm -hmm. and he said that. I hate earnestness in performances. Usually by take 17, the earnestness is gone. So to me, How do you take that? Yeah, like what do you, what do you think he means by earnestness? Like, well, Yeah, look, so I, so here's my thing. I, I appreciate the guy. I think he's a master at getting the best product at the mm -hmm. end of the day. But the whole point of acting to at least a lot of people is earnestness and understanding and emotionally transmitting that yeah. out and some scenes are way more difficult than others yeah. to get out several times so when i mean when you're even on take 10 and if it, it's like a heavy scene that's going to be very challenging and daunting for an actor and that those will probably be their best moments because then you just get exhausted too yeah. there's also maybe you do want to do it 200 times but you get exhausted doing it mm -hmm. maybe you can meet his needs but when you're going that deep it's like how is that that's defeating the purpose to yeah me, you know and especially uh th there's different types of approaches to acting and i feel like a lot of actors they don't like to just go in blind they like to see they like to do multiple tests, one where they can just wing it, one where they know exactly what they're doing, and then one where they can talk with the director a little bit a little bit more about carving out what they're looking for. I feel like if you are just blindly doing 200 takes, I I would get so frustrated because I'd be like, just give me direction at this point. Yeah. Don't just throw me in and keep doing take after take after take. Like, what specifically are you looking for? Yeah. And in my opinion, if the director doesn't know what they're looking for, like it feels that way because <sighs> you're getting 200 like there maybe there's some takes where you have to move some objects on the desk desk or maybe mm -hmm. you have to go pick something up but when you imagine it like obviously we haven't done productions that big but yeah. to just understandably like block a scene out i can't imagine those moments taking more than 10 takes yeah or like just those little additions like if if um, I feel like most directors would run through it, how it's written, maybe give a another couple takes for the actor to try something out. And then you also add room for takes that might um, technically like misfocus yeah. or something else goes wrong. Maybe that happens. So then like even that's a generous 30 takes, which doesn't happen no, often. But yeah. can you imagine getting in that editing room and having 200 takes I of can't. just one scene? What do you do? <laughs> Like, do you, do you start going through it like an Instagram story, just like clicking through like, nope, don't like yeah. that, don't like that, don't like that. Like, how mm -hmm. do you get through all of that? Yeah, those? and then the script supervisor was writing down, this was a good take, this was a good take, this was a good take, flowers in the background, this was a good take, <laughs> this is a good, like, like, what are the changes that you, like, and then, and then is he going to go into the editing room and be like, oh yeah, on take 137, we had this, so I want that one. Like, no, you're not. No, you're not. You're not. They're not doing that. So No, they're probably taking multiple takes and cutting mm, them together, and then yeah. it's like, I don't know. And but. there's been actors that have had problems with that on his set, like Jake Gyllenhaal mm -hmm. and Rooney Mara. They're 
pretty outspoken about that and they've had some gripes with not working with him in the future because of those moments yeah um, and you know it is a collaborative medium if if the shoe doesn't fit for you anymore maybe you should move on and that's i respect them for that and like i said like fincher he look he's put out great movies like mm -hmm. i can't knock the guy on his quality output it's just hard to imagine that it took that much i know i mean some people might love it though some people I know some actors approach it as every take is really a new opportunity. And so if he gets those types of actors, then he has his team and he should run with it. Yeah. But I honestly, a part of me wants to watch Mank just to figure out like which scene it was. Like, do yeah. they say, I wonder if they say which scene it was that she had to do 200 times. I have to look into it. I will um, too. And there's, there's, I know there's a, off the top of my head, there's a couple scenes with her. They're having like, this massive party mm -hmm. and it's in this, this, castle castle um and she's in costume and i think it i think she's doing some type of getting on the table and i don't know maybe it could be that season like i don't even know okay. i'd have to look into it but i i know that there's a couple scenes where i i can imagine doing that 200 times mm -hmm. would be a headache so i you know and no matter what the scene too yeah that just seems absurd to me like how how do you feel comfortable with and how do you make your days? You're shooting a whole movie. Well, that's the thing. Like, what is he doing? Like a, a scene a day? Not even like a half a scene a day at that yeah. point? It's crazy. Yeah. I wonder how many how mm. many shots he did for the for the yeah. killer. Yeah, um, I, I've I've listened to um if no, don't even take it from us, guys. I've listened to Roger Deakins podcast. Mm -hmm. He is the cinematographer of all time. <laughs> <laughs> he is the guy. Um, so and he's even like, you know he'll try different things with the director or blocking and do all this and stuff. But if he's getting like, let's go again for no reason, he gets frustrated too. Well, yeah, because it's like communication at the end of it, because it is a collaboration and you don't want to make people feel like you're wasting their time. Yeah. It's you have to communicate. And if you really don't know what you're looking for, but you're looking for something that you haven't achieved yet, say that to people yeah. and say, I don't know what it is, but I haven't gotten it yet because maybe somebody else is feeling that way. I yeah. mean, I don't know if he communicates very well, but just from saying 200 takes, it makes me seem it makes it seem like he keeps everything to himself. Yeah. Yeah. It just makes it a little bit more curious of like how do you actually get to that number mm -hmm. without having a group yeah. meeting really yeah, quickly. Right. Like, I'm like, like this isn't you, working. Yeah, and where do you end it? Mm -hmm. So it's because you get that far. I know Stanley Kubrick was rumored to be like that too. Yeah. And The Shining, he like wore down Charlie Duvall. Oh my God, I, I mean, know. emotionally too. He I was mean, that's one abusive. of my favorite movies, but yeah. like. I mean, and exactly. It's, it's a great movie <clears throat> and his filmography is also really deep and mm -hmm. great. But I mean, and then back then you're shooting on actual film. Mm -hmm. So that's it's a challenge. But um, moving on to the rest of some of the rest of the movie, there is there is one scene that we were really impressed by. And that's the fight scene. Yeah, there and, is. Yeah. Oh, there's a really great fight <clears throat> scene in it. Um, it come, I'm not. Uh, yeah, it's just a really great, well executed fight scene. I yeah. Like, I feel like all of us, the whole audience was just like, ooh. Ugh, like actually making like verbal responses to it. Um, it was also pretty long. It went yeah. longer than I expected it to go. Yeah. Which was Im impressive because yeah. sometimes when film fight scenes get a little bit more extended, they kind of can get a, a little bit unrealistic. <clears throat> yes. In my opinion. 
Um, but this one, even though it was on the longer end, it sustained realism throughout it. And they both really looked beat up. Oh, yeah. They looked no, it, it was. I think it was one of the most realistic fight scenes I've seen mm -hmm. recently. Like, and, and there's a lot of action movies that have come out, but there was nothing cheesy about it the choreography was great mm -hmm. the, the whole house got it trashed looked messy. yeah it looked like people because mm -hmm. sometimes sta stage fight scenes can just look very like yeah oh wow somebody told them how to punch each other yeah. correctly or you're punching a hole in a concrete wall yeah <laughs> and it's like that you you your arm would fall off yeah at that yeah point. but hurt. this it was really well done because it showed that they were both just like fighting for their lives yeah. while also not being professional fighters, yeah. which is nice to see. I also think um, that it showcased how the killer's um, planning was like his his uh, savviness mm -hmm. and his, his intelligence was all there. Like he was planning out what to do to get from A to B, mm. to go from this store to this store. Yeah. He's like clearing rooms. Like he's obviously been around the block mm -hmm. with his killings. <clears throat> so you understand he's coming to this fight pretty prepared, <clears throat> but then he um he gets a couple obstacles. So without saying much more about that, it yeah. was a very good scene. It was yeah. really good. Do you think, um, I'm curious, could you see anybody else playing this role or do you think Fastbender was just the main, like he blew it out of the water. Um, <clears throat> I think I think a lot of people could have played this role. Mm -hmm. I I think that Fastbender is really good at um, internally um, processing a lot of stuff just with his eyes. Mm -hmm. Like I could even see Tom Hardy's great at that. Um, there's a couple other people like James McAvoy is pretty good. Mm, okay. Like some other people that. That you that, could have seen maybe yeah. doing it. Like Daniel Craig just came out of the Bond movies. Like he could have potentially done something like this too. Yeah. I kind mm. of liked though. I feel like Daniel Craig is a little bit too much of a household yeah. face now. That's true. Where when you see him like, I don't know, right now just because I think of Knives Out with him yeah. now. And so I see him in that image. Um, I feel like Fastbender, he hasn't done anything for a, quite a little bit of time. He brings a great intensity to his yeah. roles. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He he just, um, I know in Macbeth, I mean, like, that's any dream for an actor is to play Shakespeare mm -hmm. on screen in that light. And um, he was great in that. But he brings this intensity with him in every role and especially just, seeing the pain in his eyes, like even though it's not the best series of movies in X-Men, he is probably the best part of those mm -hmm. movies because he, you can see all of the pain that he has to go through, the conflict with his relationship with McAvoy and how he's always um, trying to pick a side. Mm -hmm. And then this movie too, you feel this, he's a very cold guy but you feel empathy for him because he's he's witty he's like very smart and then um other things happen in the film where you do empathize yeah, with him i but, agree i thought that was a really good uh element that they brought into it because sometimes in these thriller movies you don't really care about the person who's doing some of the bad stuff you're kind of like okay yeah whatever happens happens but um I felt like the audience was on his side throughout it all, which is really nice. Yeah. Yeah. And and he's a great actor. I really wish he gets, he would get more roles mm -hmm. more often. Um, he 
deserve. I, I think he'll have an Oscar winning role at some point in yeah. the future. I'm surprised he hasn't won one already. I still need to see that movie Shame, but there's a lot of great clips I've seen mm -hmm. of him just emotionally laying it out there. Like just some of the best work in the last 10, 15 years. And um, yeah, also I personally, he's been my pick for the next James Bond because he, I think he okay. could be very charming and he, he has the look, he has that intensity and I could see him. Uh, this movie was like, if he doesn't get a James Bond movie, this would be it for him. Okay. But, so I hot mean, take from Zach. Yeah. Pitching yeah. the next James Bond. Yeah. I would love that. But, um, you know, there's, that's, that's another thing, another rabbit in the hat. But, um, yeah. So this movie also premieres on Netflix November 10th. So, yeah. So it's coming yeah. out. Uh, Netflix obviously owns the rights to it, which I'm curious. So it has pretty high rating on Rotten Tomatoes right now. It's actually 82%. Do you think it being a Netflix film is going to benefit it or? Is it going to kind of get swallowed in the whole of Netflix films, uh, do you think? I think it's going to get swallowed in the whole of this year. Okay. I, I think it's like there's so many good movies. I know. There, there's also yeah. just so much coming out every week, especially on Netflix, that yeah. it might be one of those action films that it's there in the top 10 for the first week and then all of a sudden it disappears. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it'll Which do is really well. Yeah. And, and it's also a movie I don't know if people are going to see in theaters if mm -hmm. it gets a limited release um i don't think it's scheduled to i didn't see anything about it yet either no i so. think they're going i think they're pushing it right out onto netflix mm -hmm. um i'll be honest i didn't love the ending i was yeah. a little bit let down by it mm -hmm. so i think maybe that's why they might not do the uh theatrical limited release just yeah. because like, if this goes out on Netflix and it gets a lot of hype, people will be like, wow, what a great movie. Ending wasn't the best, but, like, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Versus if I think people go to the theater and spend money on it, I think it'll go down a little bit based yeah. on the ending. Yeah, I, I think, like, to your point with the ending, the there was a great <clears throat> buildup to this climax. He has to go through all these hurdles mm -hmm. to get there. And it just kind of missed that one last punch mm -hmm. that was going to drive it all home. So I think yeah. once people watch it, they might know what we're talking about. It's good. <clears throat> I mean, okay, so I think what it is is if this wasn't a Fincher film, people would be like, wow, really great. That's a good point. Incredible. Yeah. But I think because it's a Fincher film and he always has these great twists, mm. I was expecting for a twist to come and there wasn't really that big of a twist. It was kind of like cut and dry, just a... Uh, Resolution. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And then there was even the one chapter called Epilogue. Yes. Which, I mean, it's yeah. again, it's not a bad ending. It just wasn't as satisfying as some of his other films yes. have been. Right. So not, not bad. Just yeah. I kind of expected more with it being attached to his name. Yeah. There, there's a lot of <clears throat> his films you're contemplating things right at the end mm -hmm. like seven you're just like oh my gosh how did this just happen yeah and you're, like, you're like st sitting there as the credits yeah. roll and you're like wait what you're like happened? i've lost hope in humanity yeah, <laughs> and literally. then fight club comes and you're like holy <laughs> like whoa the anarchy just won and then um you have social network you're like greed just mm -hmm. won out like this sucks for this guy this was messed up like like you're thinking about all these things that 
you're you're just left with questions. You're left with oh, the conversation afterwards. Yeah. This one was because it was so straightforward. It wasn't necessarily something that challenged our expectations of of what 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 was like controversial or like yeah. what unless could... I missed it. Like again, because yeah. there was so much voiceover happening. Like maybe I missed a yeah. phrase that he said at the end to um, me it felt like a little bit of an episode of ozark or like so i have not seen ozark oh, okay. I, I don't know that rep gotcha well <laughs> so basically and why i say that is it because it felt like a straightforward episode of that show where where someone kills somebody there are consequences for that and then there's a resolution a few episodes later like that's okay it, it felt like that straightforward it yeah. was like okay a b c d conclusion like mm -hmm. that happened and then it's like okay moving on and then like ozark they have a couple crazy plot twists yeah in the seasons like th different parts but it felt like a straight narrative like if you were to draw fight club out on a chalkboard <laughs> you would be going through a maze yeah if you were to draw seven out of the chalkboard you'd probably be like okay oh man this is a roller coaster it's going it's going up and down it's going up and down and then the end is like oh boy and this one is just like, it's just like, oh shit. Like dot oh, shit. to dot to oh, dot. Oh shit. Yeah. And then the ending is like, oh. oh. <laughs> You're just like, oh, all right. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, again, it's not bad. Yeah. It's just, I had a little bit more high expectations for it. Yeah. Um, but I mean, teach their own. Maybe some people yeah. really I loved how it ended. Um, it was by no means a bad movie. No, like it was a well executed movie. Yeah, it almost feels like he 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 heard that people didn't love Mank, and so he was like, "Fuck it, I'm just gonna go back to my OG roots." That's possible. And give you yeah. guys what you wanted, and make it as simple as possible, but make it make it fire and make it really good. Yeah. Um, and by that, he was like, I'm not going to think too much on the ending. I'm just going to I'm going to end it. I'm going to end the movie for you guys. I don't know. Yeah. Well, and then I also wanted to talk to wrap up. I wanted to talk about our own ending of the night. <gasps> yes, everybody. Because, OK, so we really wanted to give you guys. Well, wait, wait. Content. actually, before we get into okay. this, before we get into this, Zach, I do want to <laughs> let's close out the killer. Let's close out the film. OK, you what, have more to talk about it. No, no, no. What would you rate it? What What is your rating oh, for rate the killer? It. I would give it like an 8.5. OK. 8 okay. range. Yeah. I was I was going to do mm -hmm. solid 8. OK. I'm not going to argue that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it's also like what you got from the experience. So and and then like I like I felt the same way though. Like I I, I honestly think we were kind of the same on on that wavelength mm -hmm. of what we got from it. And to put it in the rest of his body of work, I think it runs like middle of the pack. I agree. Yeah. Um yeah, I think honestly, now that I'm like thinking on his body of work, I'd put it on the same level maybe as Panic Room, but I think for the time Panic Room was a bigger deal. Okay. Because yeah, it was yeah, yeah. earlier on in his career. Gotcha. Um, so those two, I would probably put them on the same level. Yeah. Um, but yeah, good movie. I mean, I recommend it. Go. I think you should watch it on Netflix. Um, I, I hope because we watched it in theater, we all felt very suspenseful. I hope that suspense is able to be felt through your TV or your computer at home. Yeah. I hope that lives up to it. But um, yeah, I liked The Killer. I did not love our experience 
leaving leaving the theater though everyone yeah. what a what a transition i know so Zach, why don't you go now yeah. and give a little little okay. story so let's paint the scene please do let's paint the scene all right it is a rainy night in new york city <laughs> me and liz are on the subway well okay so we're leaving we're with our two friends yes who went to see we just it. we just left the premiere just left it we're like okay we're gonna catch the train we're we're gonna catch the subway we're gonna go our train so we are leaving rainy New York City theater and we see the plaza on our left. Me and Liz were just recounting. Plaza Hotel. Shout yes. out Bride to Bride Wars. Bride Wars. Yes. Shout out Bride Wars. It's the same movie as this, obviously, with Anne Hathaway talking about her wedding. It's the same, yeah. same movie. So, <laughs> so we were fangirling over that. And then we get on the train and... Uh, I'm going to blame this on Brian. We um, just are all kind of just talking about yeah. the film and then we just get, we just go. I'm going to blame Brian anyways. Blame Brian. <laughs> go for it. Throw him but under, really the, throw him under the bus. So he goes, so we go on the train and I saw on the side of the train, it said Astoria and I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's in Queens. And before we got to the theater, before the movie, I was like, Liz, it's crazy how in New York you could just end up on a subway and go. Yeah, we else. literally were actually yeah. we were literally saying that to each other. Like, it's crazy. You just get on a bus and then all of a sudden you're in the Bronx yeah, or something. We like, oh, it's nuts. And then I'm like sitting on the subway and I felt like we were on between stops a little bit longer than, than you, we should have. Than we should have been. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh no. So I go look at the map and then I go look at the stop that we get off of, i'm like liz we're in queens and then we tell brian and his friend we were like oh we we messed up we messed, messed up. up we gotta go yeah, we, gotta, so, we gotta get off so brian was like oh okay so we get off waited for another subway for a bit we were like okay we're barely gonna make our train back to jersey yeah we're i'm watching the clock we kind of know at this point we're like okay it's gonna be tight tight so we get on the right subway we get off the subway mm -hmm. where our train leaves at 1007 <clears> yes. it is 1001 and we still have yeah. to walk like what three blocks yeah from the herald square so we start yeah, yeah, walking yeah. we each are i see all of us just checking our phones and we're like i think we might be missing this one yeah. but let's see so we keep walking. We're not running. We're not. We're, we're not like, trying. If we miss it. We'll we get, the we get a one. drink. Yeah. We, whatever. So we go to NJ Transit. <laughs> <laughs> we go to NJ Transit. Delayed. Wow. From what? three different what? train lines. First of all, what a gift. Here we are thinking we're late and that we're going to miss the train. No, it's delayed. Yeah, we're like, oh, we oh, got time. Oh, this is beautiful. <laughs> now we'll be able to get the 1007 train. All of a sudden, it's another delay. And then another delay. And then another delay. And then 25 minutes has passed by. Yes. And then we see that uh, one of the train lines is like, we are taking uh, NJ Transit tickets on the path going to Hoboken. So they were encouraging people to go from MSG mm -hmm. all the way into Hoboken to maybe catch a connecting train. Which too newer. We were like, we're not going to do that. Yeah. And so Zach and I <laughs> at this point are like, I don't think we're catching a train. Yeah. I think we need to go and follow and go to the path and get to Hoboken. Yeah. Everybody is going. Everyone had the same idea. Everyone had the same idea as <laughs> us. Because at this point, that's the only way to get out of New York unless you want to pay to get unless you want to go on the bus um, or pay for an Uber, which I mean, who pays for an Uber to get out of the city? Let's be real. And so, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, unless I if mean, you if you do, good York. for you. Yeah. If you know New York, you would not. Yeah, you wouldn't. Yeah. But so then. <clears throat> 
the path is the busiest I've ever seen it. Mm -hmm. Usually the path, nobody's there. You can get a seat on it. Oh my God. It's like packed sardines. Mm -hmm. You're pushing to get on people. It, it's chaos. Mm -hmm. So we get on this, the path. We're, we're making our way to Hobo. Shoulder to shoulder. Shoulder to shoulder, like sweat to sweat, <laughs> feeling the breath of the people behind me. We finally get to Hoboken. Not a lot of people get off either, which was weird. Yeah. I thought that, more people were going to get off, but I they all stayed so on. We get in the Uber. We all think that, okay, we are golden. We're just going to go. We're going to get the Uber. We're going to go home. It'll be a great night. No. We get in the Uber. We drive for maybe like 20 minutes. No, 30. We're almost there. We're yeah. like five, five minutes. Five minutes from the, our parking lot. From where we need to be. And then all of a sudden we pull up to a train that is uh, like a train Stopped pass. on the railroad crossing. And yes. there's a line of cars. And so we're like, whatever, it'll pass very quickly. Mm. No. The train no. is going forward and then backwards. And she threw it in reverse. It keeps going, it just keeps going back and forth. So like it's not moving at like, all. There's no way, right? And we just there's keep thinking, no we're way. like, what is going on with this? And we wait and wait and wait. And then the, I, I get a text from Uber being like, you guys haven't moved in a while. Are you okay? I'm like, oh my God. So we all it, it was just too much. And we're like, what is up with these trains tonight? Like, we can't get home. <laughs> it was unbelievable. It so was actually unbelievable. We had the GPS, our Uber driver, so she couldn't abort the whole thing. Yeah, because I don't know. I guess yeah. on Uber, you can't go a different you way. It while they're the, in the car or something. I don't know. Whatever it was. But we figured out, it she out for flying. her. Yeah, she started flying. She was She was like, yeah. let's do this. Let's go the back roads, people. Yeah. And then we get there. And we survived. We survived. But and I was something like, that should have taken us like 45 minutes to get home took us three hours. Yeah, it was pretty ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, and then I drove 40 minutes home. And then you drove the 45 yeah. minutes home. That so was nice. My first New York Film Festival yeah. was a very interesting experience. I was like, damn, I dragged Liz out here yep. for this. And I can't wait to go back, everyone. <laughs> I do it all again. I do it all if I again. I can inject cinema into my veins. <laughs> well, hopefully, hopefully somebody laughed at this story. Yeah, maybe Tyler's watching it or is still think, listening, yeah. and he's laughing. Our significant others are definitely the only. Maybe or no. my mom. My mom's definitely. Yeah, you gotta throw the moms in there. <laughs> yeah, you gotta give. <laughs> so, that's our story. That's our story of the killer too. That's a review. Yes. Um, Liz, do you have anything else you'd like to add about more train problems? No, no more okay. train problems. Um, mm -hmm. Make sure to check out The Killer on Netflix. Uh, after you watch it, let us know what you think. If you like the ending more than we did, argue with us on it. Let me know why. Give me the receipts. Be sure to like and subscribe to our channel so you can hear about more train stories whenever you want, because that's what's gonna happen in our film festivals from now on. So be sure to like and subscribe. We love talking about trains here. We love talking about movies occasionally. <laughs> so that's all for us guys. And we're gonna talk about David Fincher when he makes his next film. So that's it, so okay? So signing off really quickly, <laughs> I am Liz Seiko. And I'm Zach Miller. <laughs> Have a good one.